Uh, chapter 38 of Genesis, uh, beginning with verse 1. Hear the word of God. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adolamite whose name was Hiram. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite woman whose name was Shua. Uh, he took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she called his name Shelah. Judah was in Chezeb when she bore him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her, cultural practice of the time, uh, and raise up offspring for your, for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went into his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. In the course of time, uh, the wife of Judah, she was daughter, died. When Judah was comforted, he went to Timnah, to the sheep shears, he and his friend Hira the Adullamite. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up, and sat at the entrance to Anayim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up, and she had not been given him in marriage, given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come into you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me that you may come into me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. She said, If you give me a pledge until you send it. He said, What pledge shall I give you? She replied, Your signet and your cord and your staff is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her. And she conceived by him. And she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adullamite to take back the pledge from the woman's hand. He did not find her. And he asked the men of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who was at Anayim at the roadside? And they said, No cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Paul said, the men of the place said, no prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, By the man to whom these belong, 
I am pregnant. And she said, please identify who these are, the signet, the cord, and the staff. And Judah identified them and said, she is righteous, not I, since I did not give her to my son, Sheila. And he did not know her again. When the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. When she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. As he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out. And she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, his name was called Perez, which means breach. Uh, Afterward, his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. God's holy, inspired, and infallible uh, word. Scripture says, uh, grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. We pray that it would uh, for us. Uh, If Jerry Springer's job was presenting, uh, if he was presenting biblical stories, uh, I think this episode would probably get one of the highest all-time ratings, right? It's like, like meant for someone like Jerry uh, Springer to, to bring out the whole The whole thing is a chaotic and trashy mess. It's a mess. It's ugly. Um, it's not what you hope for for our esteemed biblical ancestors who God made his promises to and they carried out uh, these promises. Um, and the, this, the whole story comes with like surprising climax reversal, uh, verse 25 and, and 26, and we're all sitting like, oh, who's, who's trash now, right? It kind of uh, all turns on it. Um, now, I, I, I'm not a, uh, a Jerry Springer fan, but you know, you're flipping through the channel sometime, and you, you see a little bit, and you're like, what's going on? And you hear the chant, Jerry, Jerry, and you're like, Why, what's this happening? Um, uh, but well, I'll admit, um, I can be a, uh, a self-righteous, judgmental jerk. Um, and when I watch those shows, the little that I've watched, that's what it tends to bring out uh, in me, right? When, when you see the people on there and the kind of junk that comes out and the things that they were doing and what their life consisted of and was in, engaged in, um, you know, some sense where you just like a little bit of hope for humanity kind of, kind of withers inside you. And, and you worry, like, what, what good can come from this? Where's it, where's it going? But the show, it tends to particularly make a mockery out of it. Uh, it, it like gets you to laugh at those people rather than bring out uh, compassion. It makes a mockery of the situation to despise people, and you know, kind of maybe sometimes lets you feel a little bit better about yourself. Like, man, my life was really good, but it ain't, and that ain't happening. That's not what my brother did and my sister together was. Like, no, um, right? All kind of, all kind of stuff there. Um, the the only problem here, though, it doesn't really make us feel better about ourselves. Um, these are the biblical ancestors. Like, oh yeah, so you're you're a follower of uh, of Yahweh, the, the Lord, right? And the people that He made the promises to. Hmm, that's what stock you come from, right? Like, I guess it's a really privileged history that you get to you know count your own now. These were Jesus' ancestors. You can go a little bit later. We'll, we'll look at it and you'll see. Like, these are the people that are mentioned even in the New Testament as this is where Jesus came from. Oops. Like, why, why is this? Why is this here? And, and so then in Christ, if that's, if that's who we find ourselves, if we're trusting in Christ, we say this is, this is our ancestry. This is a depiction of, of our relationship with God, what's needed uh, through Christ. There's, there's a shamefulness to it. 
And yet I think the passage offers something more, not just a, a mockery or a, or a shame. Um, so here's what we're going to try to do, is, uh, is, is kind of walk through the passage uh, Jerry Springer style, uh, if you will. You have to use your imagination a little bit. Um, sometimes I'll be you know, echoing what Tamar would say or saying how Jerry Springer might address her. Just, just have a little fun with me. It's, it's a entertaining passage, but a whole, lot, a whole lot more. So you can picture like the you know, security guards are, are up here, you know, like uh, some of the people's families in the crowd heckling uh, at times and all, but I can really kind of walk through it that way. Now I want you to be thinking, why is this passage in the Bible, the, the, the Holy Bible? Like why would we put a passage like this in, in the Holy Scriptures from, from God? Um, why isn't a story like this just kind of up, lost in the pages of ancient history, never to be recovered. Oh, what would we have lost if that was there? Because God saw fit for this to be uh, inspired by the Spirit and recorded for all posterity for us to know uh, Him, our relationship with Him, the hope for Christ in it. So, so why is this in the Bible? And kind of ask, where, where's God here? What's God doing uh, in this passage? Now, uh, what happens to his covenant promises that Genesis is, is tracking for us? Um, and with that, then the question, maybe more along the theme, is, is how can there be any hope uh, for humanity? Because when you watch Jerry Springer and you go, how is anything good going to come out of a situation like this? Because um, the tone of the passage is not of superiority and mocking or trashy immorality. Um, it's different. How is there any hope for, it, for uh, humanity? And if there's hope, uh, if there's hope here, there's hope for anyone. Uh, there's hope for us. There's hope for everyone around us. Uh, so first, from the Jerry Springer style, let's, let's bring out Tamar. Here we have Tamar. Uh, is she the adulterous death bride? Or is she an innocent and, and mistreated woman who's gone through suffering and circumstance that none of us would ever want to experience. Uh, so Jerry, if he was talking to Tamar, I might talk and say, now Tamar, I hear that you're, uh, that you're three months pregnant. Uh, congratulations. If congratulations are, are in order here from the circumstances. Um, <coughs> you're accused by your stepfather or your father-in-law of fornication. That's where these these children in their inner womb are, are coming from. Um, and also he says that even if that, he seems to think that you're the cause of the death of his two older sons. Of course, Tamar, one of Jerry Springer's shows, he'd be like, I haven't done anything wrong. Those are all lies. They're making it all up. He's trying to blame it on me. The real problem is with him, right? I was like, ah, look at all this. She's, she's definitely the adulterous uh, uh, death bride. Because look how she... <coughs> Jerry goes on. He's always... Like nice, a little bit cordial to people until he gets like the little zingers. Um, you know, you seem like a you seem like a nice woman. Uh, let's let's start back with your deceased husband Ur. Um, uh, was was Ur a good husband uh, to you? Because you're you're three months pregnant, but your your husband Ur he's been deceased for for several years, so the children aren't him. Uh, that doesn't make me adulterer, right? Your flies. Um, I'm not the one with the issues. It's Judah. When he gets out here, I'm going to show you things. Uh, well, look, uh, was, was Ur a good husband to you? Tamar's a little bit of respect. So I can't say that. He was, he was my husband. 
He's the one I was married to. Um, well, your father-in-law seems to think that you're responsible for his death. Um, but it says, it says here, that's what we're looking at, uh, Ur was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord executed him. Now, a lot of people do some bad things, um, but uh, most aren't smote by the Lord in the, the middle of their life. Um, how, how is being married to a, to a guy like this, Tamar? Um, well, I don't want to speak ill of the dead. God doesn't go into it, but he's, he's wicked. Um, Jerry moves along. Well, well after her, then you were, um, then you were with, with Onan. But he didn't give you any, any children, correct? Hey, Mark, I'd prefer you didn't even mention his name. Uh, Judas, the one who set me up for that mess, and then afterward he sent me away to my father's house like an unwanted piece of, of repugnant garbage. Um, now, let me... Explain to you, Jerry would say, as the audience of the crowd, you understand this uh, culturally uh, a little bit of the day. Um, a widow in that culture um, kind of had no, um, no place, uh, no, no means of survival. A, a childless a widow, her husband's not there to support her. She's got no future. When she's, when she's older, there's no one there to take care of her, to pass the inheritance on to. Um, they would just be passed over, neglected. And not have much hope. So the, uh, the whatever you think of it, the, the cultural responsibility in that in that place in that day, the responsibility fell to the brother or to some other family member um, to provide an heir through that woman, um, whether sometimes in marrying her or other times just through uh, um, uh, sex with her for for a child to be to be born. Usually through uh, through a marriage to take place. Um, there, though that's not what uh, what Judas seems to do here. Um, so, uh, 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 but though Jerry could say to uh, bring him bring him the situation of this to you know out a little more fully uh, to uh, to Tamar. So, so even though Onan had sexual relations with you on numerous occasions, still somehow you didn't you never conceived, didn't have any children. And Tamar could reply, one of the truth of the passage, that, that God's the one who killed him, and he killed him because he, he wasted his semen on the ground, because he knew that if, if I had children, uh, that he wouldn't get the, the inheritance. Uh, the offspring wouldn't be his, they'd be, they'd be mine through my first husband, would be the, the, their place. And so the, the inheritance that would come from, from Judah uh, would be passed over Onan to, to my son, so he didn't want me to have any children. So... So if I understand by this wasted his semen, you're, you're saying that he continued to use you sexually and repeatedly uh, for his uh, satisfaction, but he would always pull out and ejaculate on the ground. Crowd at this point, like, ooh, right. <laughs> uh, uh, <coughs> All right, well, well, tell us about your, uh, tell us about Judas' third son, because are you not uh, betrothed, committed, obligated uh, toward, toward him uh, as the next that would, that would be with you? Anyway, well, uh, he was younger, a little bit younger, so Judas said um, that, that to wait until he gets older, wait until he grows up a little bit, and when he's older, uh, then we would be, then we'll be married. Uh, but I don't think he ever had any intention of fulfilling the obligations to me. Um, so what he did instead is sent me, not waiting in his house until his son uh, was of marriageable age to it. He sent me back to my father's house. He said, you go wait over there until I call for you. And I don't think he ever meant to, to call me. Um, 
Well, she says, that was, that was still some years ago. And right now, as you stand before us, you're, you're what, three months or pregnant or so? Um, uh, and, and Judah says, you're an adulterer. Judah says, uh, uh, burn her. Um, <coughs> Tamar, of course. Well, he's the one that did wrong, and you bring him out here, and I'll prove it. Right? Jerry's like, all right, commercial break, and then that's what we'll do. We're going to bring Judah out here. <laughs> uh, so after the commercial break comes in, you know, you're like, oh, what's, gonna, what's he going to say when Judah comes out? Um, uh, so, so let's meet Judah. You decide, is he the, the respectable, just patriarch? Or is he the uncaring, hypocritical vigilante who wants to burn his own daughter-in-law? So, and Judah comes out and... I mean, come on, it's Jerry Springer, so the requisite fight has to break out, right? I don't know if they, like, tell the people to do this or they just pick the right people that are going to make this happen. You know, Judah comes out there, he's yelling at Tamar, and he, like, strikes a match and starts throwing it in her direction, you know? And they're, like, pulling hair or something. Tell the security guards come in, you know, break it out, and everybody's chanting again for a little bit. Sits um, <clears throat> you down for a little bit. So Judah... You think that your daughter-in-law is an adulterous death bride who needs to be executed, who needs to be uh, burned, you're crying out. Jesus <coughs> um, <coughs> says, she was, she was uh, betrothed and waiting for my son, uh, Sheila, and they haven't been together. And here she is, three months pregnant. You, you tell me if she's an adulterer. I'm no fool. I can, I can put one and one together. I see what's going on here. Jerry, I'm sure you, I'm sure you can, uh, but, but tell us if you were ever going to actually, uh, were you ever going to allow her to be with your third son? Or was this just something that you were putting on um, to, to kind of keep her away from things? <coughs> hey, even if I were, I wasn't going to give her, uh, Sheila, could you blame me? My first two, two children both died after being with, with her. I don't know what happened. I think she's responsible. <clears throat> All right, Judy, present yourself as a respectable, just uh, covenantal patriarch. Let's go back a little bit, Judy. Tell us about, uh, tell us about your family. What are the circumstances of your growing up and how you got to uh, come down to this place and what happened? Tell us about even just your relationships with your brothers. Tell us a little bit about that. <clears throat> of course, Judy looks a little bit uncomfortable. I, I come from a fine family, but I needed to branch out. I need to find my own place, my own, own respect, and get out of... <clears throat> Uh, some of those things. Well, if we actually turn, turn back a page in the chapter, it looks like you were one of the main ones conspiring against your own brother. Not just your own brother, your younger brother. Who you have a responsibility for, and you conspire against him, plotting to kill him, and then end up selling your own brother into foreign slavery. Is that really true, Judah? Is this what's, this what's happening? Uh, and then you even went back and told your father... That his son, his favorite son, was dead. And that your father, even to this day, is still grieving and sad and miserable and mourning because you lied to him and told him that his son was dead after you sent him into slavery. Um, what, what, would your, what would your father's God think about that? Or even about you leaving your, your family and associating instead with the ungodly people uh, around you, marrying a Canaanite uh, woman who doesn't care for, for the Lord, uh, worship other things. Is that, is that approved of by him? 
<laughs> um, even marrying your, your, your sons to, to a Canadian woman as well. It, it doesn't seem that you're all that much of an honorable character. Judah, what do you have to say for yourself? At least I'm not like that Tamar. <laughs> like she's out here and she's an adulterer and she's pregnant and that's the proof of it and she needs to be burned. Right? Let's get back a little bit uh, uh, and see what happened here. Jesus was guilty. After you, your wife died, right, and spent the rest of the time, uh, we hear that you took a, a trip to, to Timnah, the sheep herders, with your friend Hira, the, the adult Mike. Can you tell us anything about that? Um, anything eventful happen, say, maybe on the, the way back from, from that trip? I don't recall anything. Uh, well, your, your friend Hira uh, told us that you sent him back af- afterwards with a, a goat, uh, with a goat somewhere as, as payment for something. Does that jog your memory at all? Judah um, replied, "Just just some cheap prostitute, just some cheap prostitute on the on the way back. So what? Uh, and that whore didn't even stick around to get paid. Um, so she ran off and has my uh, staff, my good staff, and I'm missing, and my my signet, my signature." Uh, a cylinder that I would sign things with and my, my cord. Okay, okay, Judah, enough about some of your past then, but we're kind of wondering about your, your character here. Um, and so, so you think that Judah, that, that Tamar deserves to just be, be burned. She deserves any kind of, kind of trial? Do these things need to be looked into? You're just calling for her to be brought right out and, and sent, to the, sent to the stake, set on, set on fire. Absolutely, I want justice. I want justice for her adultery, uh, for her for the death of my first two sons, and for the disrespect that she paid to my third son that she's betrothed to, and now she's gone and slept with some other man. I want justice. Jerry, well, let's bring Tamar back in, right? Um, commercial break, comes back in. Bound to be another fight or two until the security guards. Uh, <clears throat> after everything settles down for a little bit, they Okay, Tamar, we've, we've heard your side of the story. We've heard Judah's side of the story. Tamar, are you, because here you are in front of us pregnant, so what do you have to say for yourself? Are you prepared to admit your action, that you're, that you're pregnant by another man? Because it seems obvious to us. Tamar, a little bit cocky, says, I'll show you who I'm pregnant by. She pulls out from behind the, behind the chair the, the staff right that she walks out with, um, the, the signet ring and the, uh, the, the signet cylinder and the, uh, uh, the cord. Uh, and uh, I'm pregnant by the ones who these belong to. What's going on? Judah, do you, uh, do you recognize these? His, his things, right? And at that point in the audience, what are they doing? Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Right, right. He's brought it all out. All the ugly moves turned back around. Right, who's the trashy one now? Who is it that deserves the, the punishment now? It's not uh, Tamar who is so... Judah himself admits, he goes on to say, uh, she's righteous, not me. Um, she's the one that's that done right in it because I haven't given her uh, my son, uh, Sheila. <coughs> All right, uh, that's, the, that's the presentation of the story in it, right? It's, it's trashy. It's ugly. It's a mess. Um, if that was like your parents, grandparents, or even like, you know, descendants years from now, but people have, oh, wait, you're from that family? We have the recording of that Jerry Springer episode. You're their kids? You're like, 
No, change the name. Go to the right, not associated. Um, it, it brings out all the uh, all the trashy, immoral, chaotic mess of it. Jerry Springer worthy mess. But the Bible's not just mocking them so you can feel better about yourself. Nor is it just kind of putting, it, putting them uh, uh, just for you to just kind of say, oh, well, at least I'm not that bad. Uh, nor is it trying to just bring out shame of this is my ancestors. Uh, the, the point is not to lose hope for humanity. What's ever going to come from experiences like this? Um, although I think the passage gives you good reason not to hope in humanity uh, to bring out some, some great results. Um, so, why this in the Bible? I would sweep that story right under the rug. Um, where's God in this? What's he doing? Uh, what's he doing with his covenant of promises? This is the point I want you to see from that narrative, uh, that God brings out beautiful new life out of chaotic, even out of chaotic, trashy mess. Um, God brings out beautiful new life, even out of chaotic, trashy mess. Um, how do you see some of that? Uh, if you put it in the whole context of, uh, of Genesis, part of the reason this narrative is here and it kind of sits in the middle of the Joseph narrative um, is because this is a turning point for, for Jews' character. Um, he... He, all, all we've seen up until this point, up until verse 26, um, is murdering intent for his brother, selling into slavery, moving away from the place of God's promise and the people of God's promise to the uh, ungodly of the land associated with them, marry, intermarrying with them, and his sons in that. Must not have been a very good father. Um, his sons were both wicked enough that God just put them to death uh, on the spot. And here his... Um, uh, his vigilante injustice against, uh, against Tamar, not caring to provide for her, uncompassionate, um, and, and going and sleeping with some prostitute on the way for the price of the goat, uh, right? That's, um, but what happens, when it's, when it's brought out, that's where uh, the character, where Judah's character begins to turn. Because what he says is, she's righteous and not I. Uh, some of you noticed when I read that that I read it different than how the passage says. It says, she's more righteous than I. Um, Bruce Walkie, who literally wrote the book on Old Testament Hebrew syntax, that's what the book is called, um, and he's on the commentaries that I was reading on this. The, it, the, the Hebrew looks that way, but the, but the um, idiom for Hebrew uh, saying that someone is not righteous compared to someone else is, is actually, if you look at enough different instances, saying they're righteous and I'm not. What he's doing is saying, I thought that I was the one who was just and in the right and that she needed to be punished. But she showed what she did was, was just. I'm the one that was in the wrong. I haven't cared for her to provide for her according to the responsibilities of my family as the, uh, um, as, as the one who was, uh, was married to her. I've sent her off and held, held back from her. Uh, and she brought it all out. Um, Judah begins to suddenly realize his own wrong, own up for it, and begins to turn what we call in the Bible repentance. 
Uh, right? You see this later uh, in the narrative as he deals with uh, his father. There's a certain level of repentance there and him caring for his younger son, uh, Benjamin. You see it in the way that he deals with uh, Joseph later. Joseph kind of puts them to the test of how they're going to uh, respond to, to Benjamin. And, and Judah uh, kind of stands up and takes the ground and lets the blame fall on him if anything was, is to happen. He's protecting the younger son now in a reversal of character and it seems to start here uh, and at the end of Genesis and these blessings that are, that are placed on each of the, uh, each of the 12 uh, sons of Jacob from Jacob it's Judah um, who, is, who is mentioned as the one uh, who, will be, uh, who will be praised and the covenant line will continue through him um, uh, even mentions the passage that gets pulled back in for, uh, uh, for Palm Sunday of, of riding uh, on, a, on, a, on a colt um, into uh, uh, later into Jerusalem, but that, that that prophecy is is given in relation to to Judah as the as the covenant head there. Um, right for for Tamar, she, she's a Canaanite woman. She's the ungodly woman of the land, and typically, as they influence and and bring the. Uh, the uh, hopefully more more of a God worshiper away from God into into idolatry, but here it seems she's the only one in the narrative who seems at all concerned to be working toward the fulfillment of God's promises. And I didn't tell her that's necessarily what her motivation is in it, but but she was back in her father's house. She could have found someone else you would imagine to be with or, or other things or just be taken care of then, but she's looking for to continue through the line of her husband uh, that inheritance. Um, and God blesses her, that, that faith, even that craftiness of this Canaanite woman, uh, first with children, um, even with twins. Um, that kind of seems in Genesis echo this as a, uh, as a double blessing, if you will, and a, uh, and, and a covenant line kind of sign continuing uh, through her. Uh, and if you, turn by, if you turn over to Matthew 1, Matthew's gospel begins this way. It says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, Son of Abraham. He gives a little genealogy. Just going to read the first two verses. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Did that part? Isaac was the father of Jacob. So what happened there? Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. There she is. She's one of only uh, three or four um, women who are mentioned uh, in Jesus' genealogy. And all of them uh, related more outside from, from other people. Um, and having, having shown, shown faith toward uh, the Lord that he continues the covenant line uh, through them. Uh, God's bringing his promise that he would say that he would bring uh, something that would, that would change this order of, of chaos, sin and rebellion against God and bring new hope and new life from it. That, that child, that promised seed of the woman that would come, he continues to carry that line out through Tamar, through Perez, all the way down um, through Mary uh, to, to Christ, uh, to Jesus. Um, but the, Beautiful new life out of chaotic, trashy mess. The point I'm trying to show you through this. Um, that new life is more than just the birth of children, which, which is awesome. Um, or even then uh, Judah's repentance uh, and, and the change of his character, which is noteworthy. Uh, but continues to the promise to Christ, to Christ's birth, uh, and to his death and resurrection. It's in the birth of Jesus um, is the birth of that son, of Jesus, that, that the fulfillment of God's promises of blessing comes. 
that Judah needed, uh, that Tamar longed for. Um, right, so, so how is there any hope uh, in humanity? Through God in the flesh. Fully God, but fully, fully man, fully human. The hope for humanity comes not through us in our chaotic mess trying to make our way out of it in something. It comes from God himself coming to us as a uh, human that there's, that there's hope for us. Right, so it makes sense why, when you read a passage like this, why death, is, death of Christ was necessary for Judah's immorality, um, for mine, for yours, um, for the trashy people on Jerry Springer, um, for, for us and the people that we're, that we're around, uh, for humanity that have hope, for God's coming to people to have hope, there's still judgment. There has to be justice. Um, justice has to be paid. The behavior's not, it's not even like, okay, or, well, it wasn't the best, but they tried. At least they were, you know, had some stumbles, but they were trying to walk with the Lord. Or, or even like, well, they were better than a lot of the people around them. Well, I don't know. Um, look at some of the things there. Um, that's why it was necessary for Christ to die. The penalty for those things will be paid. That we can look at a shameful history like that and say, yes, that's ugly. And it's ugly and it was judged by God fully in Christ on the cross. Let's look inwardly and say, I relate to some of the stories on Jerry Springer maybe more than I would ever want to. Um, Maybe some of the things that they do on Jerry Springer, those I would never do, but it's appealing to my mind. I would think about Or what would that be like? Or weird stuff. Um, opens us into the ugliness in us and says there's hope for us because Jesus has been killed for it. Uh, because he's been punished uh, what, what, we would, what we would deserve. Uh, but not left in the grave. Hope comes through uh, the resurrection. It's not possible for him to, for death to, to hold uh, him down. Hope comes through resurrection to new life, new and incorruptible life. That Jesus is vindicated, that he's seen as righteous, uh, eternally righteous. And he shares this, this resurrection, uh, this new resurrection life with all who trust in him, so that all who trust in him will not be, Scripture says, put to shame. It would be very shameful for this to be uncovered uh, in Judah until he says, here's the one who I eventually hoped in, that God and his promises would, would bring. And my shame's been covered through his death. I'm washed in his blood. And now I, even I, and you can read about how horrible I was, can be raised to a newness of life with Christ when he returns. Um, and for Tamar, and for us, um, and it means there's hope of this new resurrection, beautiful new resurrection life. Hope for, uh, for the tramp, for the bigot, for the adulterer, for the disobedient, for the gossiper, for the backbiter, uh, for the masturbator, for the backstabber, uh, for the lazy, uh, for, the, uh, for the rebel, uh, for, the, for the murderer, for the mean, for the abusive, uh, for the hating. Um, there's hope. There's hope for beautiful new life. Because uh, Jesus changes us into a new life patterned by the Spirit. This is the way several times Paul mentions it in Scripture and says, new creation. 
You are a new creation. You are no longer of the old. It's not uh, Jew and Gentile and uh, slave and free or female, uh, male and female, but a new creation in Christ Jesus. As he's raised from dead into life, uh, incorruptible, new life, eternal, that's what we get to share in his resurrection life by his spirit. That's what conversion is. It's what uh, the life of the believer uh, is struggling still in, in this, but with a new creation infused, uh, brought, uh, life brought out to us, a re- rebirth even. Uh, this, is, uh, this is what God has been doing all through Genesis. Beautiful new life out of a chaotic, trashy mess. Creation. The chaotic mess of watery darkness over the face of, uh, uh, of the deep, right? And blackness, deep darkness. Um, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the, the water, the, the tohu, the vohu, the, the uh, formless and, uh, and lifeless, deserted uh, place. And, and God speaks and brings creation, beautiful new uh, creation into what was chaotic mess, nothingness, tragedy. Uh, and the flood, from the immorality of the people beforehand, as well as afterwards in the Tower of Babel, if you want to uh, bring that in, but where the, every creation of, his heart was, of, of humanity's heart was only evil continually. Um, and so then from this flood of, of water, uh, destruction of trashy immorality comes, comes what? A, a new start of, of life. Peter speaks of it as a, as a new creation that God brought out again with their hope. A beautiful rainbow. Um, and it, the, it continues the promise of beautiful new life through uh, Adam and Eve's uh, Adam and Eve's rebellion and first sin, uh, through Cain's murdering jealousy of his brother. Continues that hope of new life through uh, Noah's after the flood drunken episode and cursing of his son, uh, through Jacob's deceit, through Judah's cruelty. Um, that God's promise continues and this hope of new beautiful life coming even out of all that mess that's what God does that's what he's doing that's what his promises are about they're focused on Jesus who is bringing that new creation in fullness when he returns who is the first uh, the firstborn of the dead the first first one resurrected from that chaotic trashy mess having experienced and been judged for the fullness of it then he comes alive incorruptible, beautiful, new life, reigning and placing all things under his feet and sharing that new life uh, with us, with all who would hope and trust in him. There's hope for us of that when we see our trashiness. There's hope for us. Uh, there's hope for everyone uh, else or, or around us. There's no superiority, no better than, no mockery uh, of others, but to look and say, Jesus alone who is enough uh, for me and who offers his grace uh, to the world. In the middle of our chaotic, trashy mess that we make, the beautiful promise of God through Genesis all the way through the scripture is that God is bringing beautiful new life, a new creation in us, uh, through us, and ultimately with Christ when he returns.